Welcome to Outsiders, episode two, Queer Across Cultures. Outsiders is a podcast featuring innovative women, queer culture, and conversation. My name is Julia Curtis Burns, and I am the host. And today I'm joined by Gilbert Saint-Pour. I'm a student filmmaker. Do you want to say where? At the new school. At the new school in New York City. So she's been fortunate enough to give us a quiet space to work today and do our podcast. So today's topic is queer across cultures. Mm-hmm. So before we get into it, let's talk about what queer even means, right? Because I mean, we're going to be throwing around the term during this entire podcast. So Gilbert, when you think about the term queer, what does that mean for you? How would you define it? Well, to me, queer means like an umbrella, like a safe area for people or anyone who don't want to identify themselves as whatever, as lesbian or gay or bisexual, and they can just use this term to be this, what? <laughs> I mean, you know, to to identify themselves, to make themselves understand that, you know, I don't like labels. Like me, myself, I don't like people calling me certain stuff. So I rather identify myself what as queer. What do you mean queer. certain stuff? Okay, for example, be, um... I don't want to be identified as, not don't want to, I just don't want to just say, oh, I'm just a lesbian, you know? So I feel like queer, it's more proper. Mm. Proper. Or professional to use. Queer is like a professional way of of identifying yourself. Yes. So when you're coming out to someone and saying how you identify, do you say queer? I, I start using it now. Before, I did not. I used to just be like, well, I'm just a woman who like women. Mm. I never really used the term lesbian or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I only started recently identifying as queer. And I, I more so started it. I talked about this in the first episode. If you haven't checked out the first episode of Outsiders, you should learn a little bit about me and my story. Um yeah. But I started using queer because I felt like many more women were accustomed or felt more comfortable with that term, you know, because it didn't, it didn't, you talk about you don't like labels, it didn't label you as this or that. Mm -hmm. It's more, you know, this is, I think it's more like a cultural term, like it's a queer cultural association you can have. Um, But I used to just say I was gay because I felt like that was more of a global understanding as opposed to me saying I'm lesbian or right. whatever. Um, so I used to just say I'm gay. Um, but now I use queer because I, I, I think it con- connects me to lots of different kinds of women who sort of share in this culture of being an other, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of who you date. Right. Um, but it doesn't label you at all. Cool. <laughs> um, so today's topic is queer across culture. So, Jilber, tell us a little bit about your yourself. Okay. Or wait, maybe we should talk about culture first. Like, how would you identify culturally or define myself? You find yourself culturally, but also when you hear the word, like, what is what is your culture? What does that mean to you? Because it can mean so many different things. Right. you definitely right about that. So to me, when I see culture, different people might identify themselves culturally differently. I don't even know that that's what I'm saying. It's properly said. You're but, um, so to me, to identify yourself as like, as your culture, meaning basically where you're from, your background, either you... American, French, wherever you're from, it can be your belief, your values, all this include in culture. Mm. So for me, 
I'm French Haitian. Um, I don't really identify as, as being a French person because both my parents are Haitian. So I, I'm more likely adapt to that culture instead. And I observe the value, the religion, or whatever they teach me. So with that being said, to me, culture includes where I'm from, what I believe in, what values I have, and so on and so forth. All that good stuff. Yeah, I think for me it's the same thing. Like, um, culturally, I'm black. I, you know, I grew up in an African-American household. You know, my mom is from the South, Alabama. My dad is from North Carolina. So they both came up to New York City when they were young people. But that whole, like, the civil rights movement that Mm -hmm. my parents went through, all of that influences my culture, right? Because that's how I was raised, like, with that mindset of what my parents have gone through. Um, And and then, like, it just affects how I walk through the world. So culturally, I think I'm a New Yorker. That's a big thing for Mm -hmm. me, culturally. And then, you know, really, I think... Because people perceive me, the first thing they see is either that I'm black or that I'm gay or maybe both at the same time. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, <laughs> right? I don't know. So culturally, I'm black and queer. So that's how I'm looking at culture from that perspective. Cool. So tell us a little bit about where you're from. Are you f- oh, oh, before we go to the next question, yeah. I, I, I also want to add that there is no right or wrong answer about how you see yourself culturally. You can... It can be where you're from. It can be because you're a black female. It doesn't really matter. Mm. It's just how you feel comfortable on your own skin. Right. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, and it's an individualistic yeah. thing. And it isn't necessarily how another person will see you. Right? right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think culture is personal and based on how you experience the world and how you perceive things yourself. Right. Totally agree. Cool. So, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about your background. You said your family is from Haiti, but you grew up in France. Oh, Am I right? The other way around. Oh. <laughs> Kidding. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, I was born in France. My parents used to travel a lot and then went back to Haiti to, because they feel like they wanted me to have the Haitian culture and because that's what they grew up with and they cherish that more and growing up was very different I, w- I can say it also make me who I am now but I have to you know go outside and then do my own experience to define myself and then have an identity for myself as a person mm-hmm. um so Right. So when did you come here? Did you come here like recently for school? How how did that? Uh, I came here come because about? my dad. And when I say here, I'm talking about New York City. Right. I was well. We were moving around. I stayed in Florida for a few years. Then I went to Jersey. Went a little bit in the South, and then New York was just something. A city to be. Everybody's come to New York. But I also came to New York just for school because of uh, I wanted to be in film. Um, I did a little bit of acting before. I oh, started filmmaking. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. So that didn't go well because actors are crazy. <laughs> yes, they are. I didn't say that. <laughs> that's, that's Gilbert's opinion. I love everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's, it's just it's it's kind of like a different world. It's 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 not something I enjoyed after a while. So I felt more connected to be behind a camera instead of in front of the camera. And I feel like my skill will be more developed that way, and I can um, give people a better. Not a better advice, but like my the message that I want to communicate to my audience will portray better me behind the camera than me in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's deep. That's real, right? Because you're able to influence the lens. Yeah. As to what people can see. And right. you're telling a story by what you choose to focus on in your films. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to come back a little bit later and, and hear more about Gilbert's work in film and what she's been doing. Because she's doing some really awesome things. But getting back to the topic, you know, so you, you understand a little bit more about her background and her culture. Um as you guys know about me, I'm New York City, born and raised. I'm from Manhattan. Um, I grew up uptown. So, She's I don't know. That's, <laughs> that shaped my culture a lot. Um, and every time I try to move outside of New York, I always, something always brings me back because there's just something about New York City that no one else or no, no other city I feel no offense to other cities other cities are great but for me there's something here there's a vibrancy here that I that I love so do you identify as a queer woman you feel comfortable with that term yes okay <laughs> so culturally speaking how is it can tell, tell us a little bit about your story. How is your relationship with your family as a queer woman? How has it, how has it, how has the experience evolved or been for you? What's it been like? Um, it's a very long story, but I'm gonna try to like debrief the important part of it. So growing up, uh, my parents are very religious people. <laughs> They go to church, follow the Bible. This is the way to be. This is, that's the ways. And to me, growing up, certain things were not okay to express. For example, it was not okay for any individual or the siblings to say openly that, you know, I like women if you're a girl or I like boys. So it was not okay to do that because to them it was taboo. It was against... What was taboo? Just being gay. Being gay, okay. And it was not... It was like an abomination. That's like my dad's favorite word to use. And so it was a challenge to identify myself, to express myself. And... It's funny, as a kid, you don't know what you are. Mm. You're just trying to figure it out. So it's like this young girl trying to figure out what's going on. I was the only child then before my little brother came. I have all the siblings, but we weren't living together. So that really doesn't count in my process of me trying to define who I am. And it was very challenging to know what I am and mm. going to an all girls school Catholic school it wasn't helping <laughs> it was like wait <laughs> do I like girls or do I like boys so it, it wasn't you know it so your was, whole life you went to Catholic school yes okay so it, it was kind of like mm. and then when I ha- and with my male cousin I used to really feel like, you know, they're cool people and they have friends and, you know, trying to, like, you're a kid, you don't know, and then I'm trying to, like, go and then chill with them and and or trying to have, like, a boyfriend because some of my friends in school have boyfriends. That didn't work out. But anyway, um, to make a long story short, it's like, it was hard. When I finally found out that I like girls. You found I, out. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's a different episode. <laughs> 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 anyway. It, it, I remember I had this crush on my professor, my teacher. She was so pretty. And then I... <laughs> she, she... I was her favorite because... I don't know. She just liked my vibe. And I always think that she was the prettiest woman beside my mother, <laughs> you know, that I I really like. And then I start, you know, kissing girls in school and then try to find out what's going on. But all that 
was in secret. It wasn't never mm. something open. It wasn't something that I can talk to a friend, be like, oh. And I'm pretty sure the other girls, they probably were like experimenting. This is the age that you experiment 14, 16-ish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Nowadays, it might be different, but in my days... Turn things when she's not saying okay. in my days, like she's so old, she's like in her late twenties. Who was in her late twenties? Oh. <laughs> well, she's early thirties. Yeah, yeah. whatever. It's all the same. You know what I mean? But you know, things were a little bit different. Um, so it was like that growing up, and then, and then I end up being this young woman with no identity. Because I did not know where do I fit in. And that was a very interesting challenge for me looking back at it. And now I'm thinking about it and I was like, and I'm thinking that certain things I could have done different. Even as a child, like you can still do certain things different. What do you mean do things differently? Like, I, I mean, I realize now that my mom is more open than my dad. I didn't know that as a kid. And if I knew that, probably she would be the person I would have go to mm. to explain, you know, how yeah. I felt. Yeah. Yeah. And so what is it like now? I mean, you're openly gay with your family or queer with your family. They know. Or um, um, is it still kind of something you're working through? It's still something I'm working with or I'm dealing with. Um, my mom knows. My dad kind of like suspect, and mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I make comments. We we have conversation, and then certain things I said, or the way I I explain certain concern I have about his logic or whatever, and he can tell that I am. But this is not something that we discuss, like, oh, dad, you know, I'm gay now, like, yeah. duh. And but, like you, you, yeah. You wouldn't, would you bring, like, a partner to meet your parents, or is that something that you, you feel comfortable doing, or it's not even something you would consider at this point? Uh, maybe my mom. I would definitely bring my partner to visit my mom. I think she will, she probably will, like, swallow her pride to be like a good mom and be nice mm. but i mean she i know she will not give the person though a bad vibe mm-hmm. you know but in terms of like my father i don't think that's an option mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. yeah i know that's the interesting thing right about parents is our parents are just people Right. Mm-hmm. And people have their own their own cultural values, right. their own uh, upbringings, the things that have shaped how how they see the world and how they see their children. And that's one of the, I think, most challenging things for me is my parents are very open minded people and I love them very much. But I think mm-hmm. it's been a shift for them like to to understand me, but they've been really accepting over years. Mm-hmm. I came out like three times. so <laughs> Three? Yeah, three <laughs> different times to really That's kind of like make it clear like that this I wasn't, it wasn't, are. you know, because the first time it was kind of like, oh, it's a phase for my daughter, but um, I've, re- I've really come to the understanding that it's not just a process for me, it's also a learning experience and a process for my parents. So I kind of see it like that, like a dialogue that's going to keep happening every time I bring someone new or I'm whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I see it like that, like growing and evolving and changing. What was it like in terms of your transition? You know, so if we think about transition and we're not talking in this case about uh, transitioning, like for example, being a a trans identified person, more transitioning as being more private Mm -hmm. about who you are and how you identify with being more open. Right. Mm -hmm. So how has that been for you and your experience with your family or just 
in life, if you want to talk about that? Um, I want to say, I mean, it was kind of weird for me because um, when I left my parents' house, I really wanted to do something else for myself, like to not to destroy everything that I learned at home, like my ability of my culture and stuff like that, but more to be more open-minded about other things. And when I moved to New York, it was very interesting to see how the queer community is so open and you don't see that anywhere else in the u.s mm. and it it was kind of like oh i can't be myself here what do you mean open like how like you know it was okay it's it's okay to have a partner walk down the street nobody gonna judge you compared to like in florida when i used to live in florida it the the vibe is different mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you will not see in a specific area a, a lot of gay couple or you know yeah you understand like and then here i feel like people are more open-minded that's the word i'm looking for than everywhere else i've been then but i think now it's different when i was living then like a few years back it wasn't like that mm-hmm. so moving to new york was like Yes, I can finally express myself and be who I am, and then I don't have to be scared. Although I have family here in New York, but I wasn't living with them, so it was even easier for me to like, mm. you know, make my transition. But although I had all those great stuff coming, and I was able to express myself the way I wanted to, I was still holding back because I had friends who were straight, and then I did not want them to know. Oh, you didn't want your friends to know? No, because I feel like they would not be my friend anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I I didn't know how they feel about having a lesbian friend or, you know, they never talk about they have any queer. They they didn't know. I mean, they never talk about they have any queer friends. So for me to even come out and say, oh, hey, guys. And I think they would <laughs> be like, what? yeah, <laughs> they would be like, oh, what about we, you don't call me anymore. So I was mm. always scared of that. And I always wanted to conserve my friendship with them. And I try not to tell them. I choose not to tell them. So it was difficult because I had to live a double life. Mm. So it's it was I have my regular friends and I have my queer friends. And then some they can't hang out together because it's like a different vibe. And after a couple of years living that way, it wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like damn I wanna invite this this person to this event but I can't because they don't know about this kind of identity. And it was a challenge. And recently, actually, well, not too recently, probably a year from uh, ago, I told my best friend that I was gay. And she took it good. Okay, that's yeah. good. But it's funny that it. she didn't ask me why you didn't tell me. I've mm. been knowing you for so long why you didn't tell me. She didn't question me. She was okay. With it. And I told her, I remember me telling her, you know, I understand if you feel certain way about it and you don't want to be my friend anymore. And she was like, what? what are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, oh, so people are okay with this. Yeah. And I started telling a few friends of mine and then just to see the reaction. At first, I come really slow and be like, um, you know, very shy because you don't know what to expect. And then after that, I start to be very open about it. It'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, no. Yeah, you know, you know, just tell people. And um, what's funny, it was my male friend. <laughs> they never knew. And it's kind of like, it's not because they were, like, trying to kick it to me or anything. We were just friends. I met them in school, whatever. But when they found out, it was like, 
you were gay the whole time. No wonder you never had a partner. No wonder you <laughs> never bring anybody with you. And it was interesting to see different people's reaction, mm-hmm. you know. But um, I, I, I mean, I'm still struggling with coming out fully because even sometimes at work, I try not to portray that image because we are human and people do judge you differently when they know certain things about you. And I don't I don't want to be judged differently mm-hmm. just because I like a specific person or I feel related to a specific group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. So <clears throat> I used to be a teacher and, you know, I was terrified of being out or or being outed by my students mm-hmm. or you know, I had this fear that it could lead to I, I don't know. I just I didn't want to be open about it because I didn't know what the repercussions would be or whether, you know, it would lead to other things. So I was very secretive for a long time and you know, my students would ask me stuff like, Miss, you have a hot date, you have a boyfriend and it would always be like <laughs> and I when I was I used to be in a when I was in a previous relationship that I am no longer in, um, I used to wear a ring. Both my, my ex and I used to wear rings. And my students would ask me, like, every other day, like, Miss, are you married? Like, do you have a husband? Do you have a, you know, because that's more important than history lesson. Right. <laughs> you know, they were just curious about me, which is understandable. And, like, I think about it now, I think... I don't regret not being more open, but I think it would have been sort of of more value to my students in seeing someone who was openly gay and just, you know, being able to see that there are all sorts of people who are educators out there and just getting familiar with that because you never know how many students at that point Mm -hmm were in high school or middle school and kind of going through their own coming out process. Right. And it's like, when you're your authentic self, you never know who you're inspiring by just being you. So I always think think about that, like, whether that would have been a good thing. Because sometimes we're more scared to be open Mm -hmm. because of our own fears and then when we actually come out to people, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. And you're like, oh. oh. <laughs> you know, you're like all sweaty, like worrying about what they're going to think. And then it's like, it's girl, true. yeah, you know, I just want to be, you're my friend. Like, that's cool. I mean, obviously, um, it can also go the other way. I have right. lost, I have lost some friends um, just because they don't get it mm-hmm. or whatever the case is, but the real people in my life who have been true to me and really great friends, I was more scared of how they would react and then they would react like whatever. Right. So that was that was really heartwarming for me. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's get back to some, some questions. How do you see yourself and do you think it's the same way that other people perceive you? And you can answer this question in any way that it resonates with you uh, in the queer culture kind of realm. Okay. Um, how do I see myself? Yeah. Mm. We're talking a little bit about identity and, uh, you know, we can talk about labels if you want or not having labels, but how do you see yourself? I mean, I see myself as... I always say a woman that love women. I usually don't, okay, people see, well, let's go by what people see me and <laughs> okay. then I can answer that cool. question. People see me as being a femme because it's, you know, I guess I do what femme do. What do femmes do? Wear lipstick sometimes. I wear heels. I, I will wear a dress depending where I'm going. Or... You know, all that good stuff. And, but sometimes people wonder and they said, why you act 
like that. I guess because sometimes I I can be a tomboy as well. Mm-hmm. So to tell you the truth, I feel I don't know how people see me as, but to me, I can be either a tomboy or a femme. But usually, people when they say tomboy, they you have to be like. Um, You have to be like uh, this this female who, like, I don't know how to explain. It, it all depends, you, you know. But you definitely you're not too masculine. You're not too feminine. You're just in between type mm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's I don't I don't know, like I. Like I said before, I don't like labels, but. The way I feel comfortable is whatever the day is. If I feel like wearing some basketball shorts and then just be on my little sneakers and my little, you know, so that's me. But sometimes I just like to wear a dress. And sometimes I just don't want to wear a dress. Which is how you feel. Yeah, this is how I feel. But so I think that's one of the reasons why I don't like using label because... With the label, you have to be a certain specific way. And I don't want to be a certain mm-hmm. specific way. Do you feel like there's pressure? Because when you were talking before about coming to New York City, mm-hmm. you were saying what you liked about it is that everybody's so open. But you also talked just now about the idea of labels, right? Mm-hmm. And, and people wanting to understand who you are by putting you in a label, mm-hmm. right? I think in like any cultural group, in society, right, heteronormative, mm-hmm. a heteronormative understanding of something is still something that is present, right? So, like, for people who don't necessarily identify as queer that are in my circle, not so much anymore, <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know. I got tired of explaining stuff, but yeah, would ask me all the time. Oh, so who's the man in the relationship? Right. Or like, oh, well, well, you must be the one who's more dominant because this is how you present, Julia. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like there is that same pressure for you? Have you have because you, you don't like labels, but you feel like you have to sort of label yourself sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Because although I say I don't like labels, and then I did say that New York is very open, but our community is so small, the queer community, that we have to label ourselves just to feel safe. I don't mm. know, but I, that's how I felt like I got from that. So To feel safe. Safe, but maybe not in the words safe per se, but more like, you know, if I identify, if I'm a femme, that's mean I, people already know what I would do, what I would not oh, do. okay. So that's like a, a little, right. you know. Um, yes, I do feel pressure because it's not about who's dominant, who's not. Sometimes I can be dominant because of depending on the topic, but it's 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 not about that. It's about loving that person and sharing that person. It doesn't matter if I'm cuddling you or, you know, I do everything for you or I will cook for you. Would that make me less dominant just mm. because I'm doing that? Mm, that's or, a good point. Or is it because I just love you and I just want to make you a meal? So it's like it all depends how people view it. That's the reason why when people ask me that question, I usually don't answer it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it doesn't make sense. Do you think that people label you automatically, right? Because part of the question I asked was, do you think it's the same, the way that you identify, is it the same way that other people would identify you or perceive you? Uh, I feel like people usually don't know mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm gay, whatever. But it's it just like, it's funny when they know. I, I just like that <laughs> reaction. It's just like everybody reacts so differently. So... I don't come out. Like, if you see me, you're not going to say, oh, yeah, she is. Because I, I look like a regular girl, female. Mm-hmm. And maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. But you won't know until 
you probably speak to me and we have conversation. Then you know. And then you will know. Right. And I think for me, (laughs) people automatically know. I mean, I would think in terms of the way that I present. I knew. Right? (laughs) I mean, but it's hard, right? Because like with labels, what's tricky for me is like I'm a tomboy-ish from the way that I present. Mm -hmm. I wear button downs and my hair is shaved and whatever. But in terms of being dominant, I'm pretty, like, feminine energy. Not that femmes cannot be dominant, but just, you know, what people associate with being a tomboy is that you're dominant sometimes. Mm -hmm. I do like, though, that you said tomboys are kind of in between. And that's the interesting and tricky thing about being a tomboy is that people don't necessarily... That's what I get most of the time. Mm-hmm. Women don't know where to place me. They're like, oh, <laughs> Julia, you're a tomboy in that you're masculine presenting in your clothes and your look, but you're kind of like a femme, right, mm-hmm. in the way that you behave. So it's always been it's always been tricky because the way people perceive me when I'm walking down the street is maybe like I'm a little more aggressive than I actually am because mm-hmm. I'm really just like a little yeah. mm. <laughs> <From the laughs> I feel inside. comfortable in wearing masculine clothes and wearing shortcut like that's just me that's how I feel so it's always interesting when I first came out I was very femme and you know I wore dresses and and so whenever people would, when I would come out to people or they would make assumptions and say, oh, your boyfriend or whatever mm-hmm. about men. And I would say, oh, I'm, I'm I actually like women. Mm-hmm. The first reaction was always like, either, oh, my God, you're so pretty. I never thought you were gay. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, I'm so pretty, so I can't be gay. Like, so many questions. But anyway, <laughs> it was always like, you don't look gay. And right. that's always been the interesting thing. What does it mean to be to queer gay, or yeah. to look gay? Right. And... I think that's kind of like why I like queer because it doesn't label you as right anything. It's more like you are maybe different mm-hmm. or an other or an outsider, but you are you don't necessarily fall under one category. That's I why agree. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. So let's switch gears a little bit. Part of the reason I started this podcast is because I wanted to showcase the queer experience and have conversations around queer culture and being queer, but also I want to showcase women in the community that are doing really innovative things, right? So thank you for sharing your story yes, you about are. where you're coming from and, and you know your journey from being someone who grew up in another place to come into New York City and what that's been like for you. Um, but tell us a little bit about the awesome work that you're doing here mm. at the new school. What are, what are you doing? Well, like we were mentioning before, I'm a student filmmaker at the new school. So I worked on film documentaries. Uh, the reason why I choose documentaries is because it's easier to get, all right, let's put it that way, with film in general, fiction, non-fiction, film, fiction, okay, like, you know, feature films, it's more like a broader audience. You want everybody to come and see this new film that just came out. You know, everybody, doesn't matter, your origin, anyone can go and see it, but what do people get out of it? They probably say, oh, it's a very interesting movie. I did not like the characters. Or oh, this action was, you know, I didn't really like it. It looked fake. But with documentary, it's so much more. It's like theater. It's 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 like you, it's a small group of people you, you, you're targeting with a specific needs, specific, a specific way of thinking, and... A specific understanding. I'm not saying that other people cannot connect to your film as well, documentary film, but the way you're targeting it, 
it's that specific group. And it's always intriguing to involve people in your ideas just to like, you know, this is what's out there. Do you feel related to that? How do you how do you feel about this film or this topic? And then it's more easier to get people's attention and to deliver a message. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why uh, I focus on documentary I think, film. I think documentaries are very powerful because they deliver a message that that highlights a specific group, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen one of, or part of one of Jigar's films mm-hmm. in, um, could you tell us about that film, that specific film that yeah. we saw? So I had this genius idea. <laughs> I said genius all the time. It was genius. <laughs> to study, um, stud on stud, for those out there who don't know what that means. It is a woman that identify herself to be masculine. Is that a good way yeah. to put it? Yeah. So, and the LGBTQIA plus. plus community, it's considered to be taboo to some. The reason why I say some because we have different opinion and ideas based on that specific um, topic. So what I did was... I interviewed a few women who all stud and that did other stud. And if you're really looking back in Hollywood, how the media put gay film together, it's usually a femme and a dominant one. And why is that? Or two femmes. Why is and that? And when I was doing researches, they say it's because they want, they want it to be more appealing mm. to the audience. So you can be gay or not gay and still watch it because it's more appealing. It's two beautiful women, they're both femme or a femme and um, a, um, a dominant person. And to them it's like, oh, this is the female and this is the male. So cater to audience to the straight audience. So because, it's heteronormative yeah, because people can understand exactly. that kind of a role. Right. Or they can appreciate two women who are beautiful women because it's not threatening. Right. right. But now if you put two studs together, it's like, oh my God, I don't want to see that. That's like having two men. But at the same time, it's like, what are you saying? What about mm-hmm. the gay men? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's kind of complicated. You guys can do research on that. You will see a lot of, a lot of information about how the media itself portrayed that type of topic. So I feel like it was a very interesting thing to put out there, not only for those women who feel comfortable to date other studs, but for others, even in our community, the queer community that we feel like our we're not very open minded mm-hmm. and we still feel like that's not okay for them to see that it's okay like open you know we're very small as a community but at the end of the day we're still judging each other and i feel like mm-hmm. i need to put that out there no i think that that's great and it's a very it's a really interesting topic you know the way that society has shaped our minds, no matter if we're queer, no matter if we identify as straight, um, I think we still operate in that way. Mm-hmm. Like there should be a butch and a femme, or maybe like two femmes. But it's always like people say, "Oh, if you see two butches or two studs, however you know mm-hmm. these women identify, walking down the street holding hands," I think. Sometimes people are taking it back. I mean, even personally, typically I I tend to be attracted to a femme. Um, I have dated other studs before, mm. but it always, I don't know whether it's because of the way that I think society-wise um, or socially, but it's always like, this is weird for me. This feels different for me. This feels like it's not the right fit. And it's interesting because I am a queer woman. So like I'm already 
right. doing something that is different or outside mm-hmm. of of the norms, the norms yeah. right? So it's 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 always like why it makes me question my own values as to why would this be weird for me or why would this be a different experience for me if I like women. So what is it about the presentation of women that makes me feel like, oh, this is someone that I can't? Like, is it preference or is it just the way that my mind has been shaped? So, like, what, when you were doing your interviews, what were people saying about that? How, how I don't know, how was the film received? Um, it, it, what you're asking me, it's, more, it's most likely preference. Mm-hmm. It's what you feel you're comfortable with. You know, it's for uh, it's it's nothing that's not normal. It's just like maybe this person like family. It's not because of they judging the other one. It's mm-hmm. because that's what they feel regular. Even if you're looking at a straight couple, you can see this guy. He likes short females only. Mm-hmm. That's his preference. Or really tall women. And vice versa, and it's just a it's it's based on each person. So then, why do you think there's such a, a reaction to stud on stud if it's just a preference? Is I feel like people are, don't want to be open minded. They don't want to see mm-hmm. what's out there. And I'm just gonna say one more thing. With stud on stud, when there was a young lady I interviewed, and she expressed the fact that going back to the whole, like, who's the dominant one, mm-hmm. who's not. And to her, in start on start, you probably asking, who's the dominant <laughs> one? They're both dominant. What is yeah. this? They're mad rough? No, but it's not about that to her. So her, it was about more like the connection, the love. Like I was saying before, if I decide to cook for you, does that make me mm-hmm. less dominant than you? Or, you know, and right. vice versa. And what does dominant and even what, mean? Exactly. Right. So and it's not even about that. And how are we defining dominance? Is that automatically connected to masculinity? Right? I mean, ooh, this is another episode. This is another This is another yeah. episode. But do you want to tell us about some upcoming projects that you're working on? Yes. So. Or wait, but do you want to tell us the name of the film we just spoke about? Oh yes, 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 yes. And how yes, can yes. folks um, see it or get involved? Yeah, definitely. So I'm still working on that film because, I mean, I could have been done with it, but I want it to be big. I want it to be out there, especially now that. We have gay rights all over the mm-hmm. United States, and I feel like the whole world needs to know. And we need, we just need to stop judging each other at the end of the day. So, what's it called? Uh, someone has to be the man. <laughs> That's cool. That's and an if title. you guys have questions, comments, would like to participate, even talk to me about different things. How can they reach you? Oh. Should I put your email in yeah, the Yeah, just put my email. Okay. Yeah. We'll do that. Um, and then you have two other films you're working on, right? What yes. are those? Um, one of them, it's it's about, it's called Memoir de Pays, meaning memory of a land. It's about this young woman, she's Haitian, in coming to this country, America. Everybody call them the land of gold. Mm-hmm. It wasn't such a gold land for her so she been through a lot of struggles and differences people seeing her differently and her story is pretty is pretty very 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 touching and uh i'm working with her i've been working with her since early last year not early uh around mid mid year mm-hmm. and got to know her and her family, and she's a very great person to be around. And I'm pretty sure other people feel, and like, are in her page, feel the same way. Probably don't have anybody to talk to, come to this country, and they just lost mm-hmm. because of language barrier. But it can be for for different reasons. It's, usually, it's not really a language barrier. Usually, it's other things that 
make you not being successful the way you want it to be when you come here. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I'm working with her on that, and hopefully... So you're telling her story. I'm telling her about story. About her, her experience yeah. of coming here. And, and she's the like. one who's explaining everything. I'm just there mm-hmm. <laughs> listening to her. So it's not like I'm putting words in her mouth. That's like her story, per se. And then I'm also working on this new topic called pansexual. Ooh. It's an upcoming topic. I'm myself learning about it. I don't know much about it. What is a pansexual? So a pansexual, it's somebody who does not identify as anything. They just like whoever, whomever, whatever. So it, it's a mixture of different things together. And I'm doing research in it. And hopefully I come up with something. But if you guys know anything about it, feel free to comment. Okay. And they can contact you. As yeah, well about and contact. That. Me. Are you looking for people to interview? Yes, okay. definitely. Yes. Okay, awesome. So before we close, um, I don't have any announcements of upcoming events this episode. But remember, I'm always open to promoting anything that. Uh, the listening audience has that's focused on women, women's empowerment, entrepreneurship, women in tech, women innovators, um, and things that are happening for the LGBTQIA plus community. But before we go, do you have any closing remarks, anything you want to leave our listeners with about, you know, being a filmmaker, about being queer across cultures, anything you positive note that we can leave them on? Uh, the one thing I would say is that no ma- the one thing I would say would be no matter where you're from, what you identify culturally as, if it's right, if that's what you want to be, if you want to ent- identify yourself as being queer, you go for it. It doesn't matter who's going to stop you. Just express yourself. That's the most thing you can do. And if you can find somebody to talk to about it, just, you know, to support you, go ahead and do it. I'm not saying if you feel like you want to be in the closet, you shouldn't just come out right now. But if it's okay to go to that stage. And then also for the women in business, if you have an idea in mind about to open your own business or your dream, just follow it. Because at the end of the day, we women, but at, but we still following our dream, me and Julia. Yes. <laughs> and if you have something that you always wanted to do, just start small. You never know. You will succeed eventually if you're passionate about it. You That's will. My two cents. That's an awesome two cents. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this second episode of outsiders will be back next week with a new topic have a fabulous weekend take care bye Bye.